Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! There is a lot going on. Now, normally when you hear a radio host broadcast something, especially when they're on location, and they say, boy, there's a lot going on. Here's a little inside baseball. There ain't a damn thing going on, right? But with today, with everything going on, we are loaded up. My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Jerry Lopez, at Indy Spanglish on Twitter, is here. And Jerry, I feel like if we're going to talk about what's happening with this whole situation, when it comes to the Speaker of the House, can I set a little mood music? Would that be okay with you? Oh, let's go. What a clown show. A hundred percent. What an absolute mess. You got people out there voting for Boehner to be the Speaker of the House. John Boehner. This is where the Republican Party's at right now. So the update is after round two, the second vote for the Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan lost a vote from yesterday. Jordan, 199. Hakeem Jeffries, 212. Others, 22. So basically, if just more than four of the 221 Republicans pick somebody other than Jordan, he's going to be below 217 and not selected. How long can this go on? I mean, this is this is exhausting. This feels like uh, like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Like, what was the point of of any of this? I was surprised that Scalise was put up initially. I expected it to be Jordan. I expected it to be done in one day, and we're back to business. And now you start to look at Matt Gates, right? Because originally, I get it. You didn't like Kevin McCarthy. He was the rhino. He may or may not have been doing some shady deals with the Democrats to give more funding to Ukraine without telling the Republicans, which, all right. Don't threaten me with a good time. If you want to get rid of McCarthy, that's fine. But I was told that either Scalise or Jordan, either one of those guys would have the votes and we would not be in this situation. But here we are. We're two votes in. Maybe they'll do another one today. Maybe not. Maybe we do this whole exercise again tomorrow. But it's going in the wrong direction. Jordan lost a vote. Yeah, and and the big question is, if not Jordan, then who? I feel like we never really make it to that point, right? Uh, Everybody's just like, okay, well, it wasn't Scalise. It doesn't look like it's going to be Jordan, but nobody ever thought what would happen when we got to, to where we are right now. So how much blame, criticism do you give Matt Gates, or do you not give him any at all? Because there's a lot of people that say, you know what? Not having a speaker is better than having some rhino butt sniffer in there. Oh, and I'm part of that group. I I don't have a pro, I don't have an issue with Gates. McCarthy had to go, in my opinion. I'm surprised Jim Jordan's not there. Uh, Gates has played ball the whole time. He hasn't thrown up some crazy person. He he went with uh, with Scalise the first time, and now he he's riding with Jordan. So. 
he's he's playing the game. I, I, and I, it I is want, a game. That's I, what it is. But what's right? going to happen to the to the twenty two holdouts? So the question becomes: Are these holdouts? Are they making a point because they don't like what happened to Kevin McCarthy? And if they're trying to do so, how many votes do we go until they realize maybe, just maybe, we need to pull our head out of our backside before we get butt lighted? Well, I'm starting we to t- about I'll, you start really ticking off your constituents who just right. want this to be over. And you start losing some donors and... I mean, that's the Liz Cheney treatment, right? You can be all about going against the grain, but when you start losing support, you start losing donors, that's how you get primaried. So how long is this little game going to go on where you're going to keep voting for ridiculous people like John Boehner or you start to realize, okay, we've got to get down to business here or none of us are going to keep this cush job living off the taxpayers. Victoria Sports, she did vote for Jim Jordan today. It wasn't without question because the first roll call came around and she was nowhere to be found. They called her name, crickets, called her name, crickets, and they moved on. But the way the procedure works is if there's people not there, After you go through all the names, you go back and go through who wasn't there. And that's when Victoria Sparks did indeed cast her vote for Jim Jordan. She put out this tweet earlier, quote, appreciate many friendly calls, but understand your frustrations. Republicans must Govern, not be talking heads on TV. Two points. Jim is elected by members and accountable to members from very diverse districts. So coercion and intimidation is not a good idea. Before you coordinate Jim, please assess if he was effective for you or for McCarthy as a judiciary chair. Do you like Jim Jordan? In the judiciary chair. I love him in the chair. I, I love him in the chair, but but I wanted, but I have, and I said that last weekend, like I think that's a more important role, but he should definitely be the speaker. I, I, I hate when we elect these congressmen and women and they, they, get, they get to D.C. and they forget who they represent. Bingo. Right? Like, Sparts, I don't care if you like Jordan or not. If Indiana 05 likes Jordan, it's your job to go there and represent us. It's, right. not, it's not your job to represent... The, the, you know, your, your lobbyists or, or any of these people who you talk to on the side. And I think that's been the biggest issue right now. And and if they did that, we wouldn't have these personal fights that we have all the time. This is, this is McCarthy versus us. No, it's about us. You represent us. I think it's people against the establishment. It's not even really Republicans against Democrats anymore, because let's be honest, all you look at a cat, you know, that yeah. like... You know, Liz Cheney, or even at a local level, like Governor Holcomb. There's no difference between the R or the D. Mitt Romney. Next to the name, Mitt Romney. This is the people against the establishment. I think this is going to be a really rough time for folks who have hitched their wagon with the establishment. Well, and... and so back to Sparks, like it just bugs me, man, because there there are a a lot of good conservatives uh, running in Indiana 05. And she said she was not going to run. That's why these people are now running. And and I'm involved up there, and I know a lot of these people that are running. And she she says, she makes a statement, even if I have to run again, so McCarthy and his friends have a chance to primary me. 
So this is personal for her. This has not, and you're willing to put the district in the middle of your game. The only thing you could really do is contact your rep and find out who the donors are. Do a little homework because money talks and BS walks. All these politicians, they're going to act like they don't care about the money. They're there to do something uh, right. It's the most important thing. Right. It's number one on their list. So if you really want to get action with whoever your representative is, follow the money. Find out who the donors are. And those are the people you need to be having conversations with. Because when that cash flow starts to slow down, it's funny how the politician's attitude changes just a little bit. Uh, Earlier today... Way early this morning, in the wee hours, Joe Biden arrived in Israel to show solidarity to the Israeli people, confirm support from the United States. And Jerry, two things here. Number one, I can't believe I'm going to say this, this was the right move for Joe Biden. You had to go to Israel and show that the United States has your back. And if you're Joe Biden, where you're hemorrhaging in all these polls in every category from immigration to crime to the economy, you taking Air Force One into a war zone landing to show solidarity is a good move. So that's the good news. The bad news, though, is that it sounds like $100 million of our money, correction, our grandkids' 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 money. Our money's already spent. (laughs) Right is going to Gaza. Now, before you get your undies in a wad, keep in mind who runs Gaza. Here's Joe Biden. Today, I'm also announcing $100 million in new U.S. funding for humanitarian assistance in both Gaza and the West Bank. Now, okay, a lot of people would say, humanitarian, that's great. We want to provide medicine and medical assistance for the kids and the children and all that kind of stuff. But keep in mind who runs Gaza, who the elected people in Gaza are. It's Hamas. So there's no way that this $100 million is going to be spent properly. Zero chance. Have you seen a video of Gaza? Does it look like they've spent $1 of our humanitarian money to fixing anything? And he tries to go on and say, you better not take this money. But come on, we all know what's going to happen. The United States unequivocally stands for the protection of civilian life during conflict. And I grieve. I truly grieve for the families who were killed or wounded by this tragedy. The people of Gaza need food, water, medicine, shelter. Today, I asked the Israeli cabinet, who I met with for some time this morning, to agree to the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza, based on the understanding that there will be inspections, and that the aid should go to civilians, not to Hamas. Israel agreed humanitarian assistance can begin to move from Egypt to Gaza. Let me be clear. If Hamas diverts or steals the assistance, they will have demonstrated once again that they have no concern for the welfare of the Palestinian people. So let me get this straight. Dear U.S. government, we would love to send a package to your people. We're going to send it to you first. Please make sure it gets to them and you don't tamper with it. Now, we know there's been a problem in the past with Hamas taking humanitarian aid money and doing ridiculous things with it. But we feel this is going to be different. You're going to listen. 
that money is in the hands of terrorists. I'm sorry. That 100 million bucks is going to be used against the Israelis and possibly against the United you, States. You no, know, the the sad thing is this administration has done more to to empower international terrorism than any other administration that I've I've ever seen between leaving weapons and stuff in Afghanistan and, and now now with the funds. We hope you use it for humanitarian aid. We hope you release the United States hostages that are over there. Don't go doing anything dirty with it. Wink wink. I mean, that money is as good as gone. Nobody that needs humanitarian aid is going to see a penny of that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. And there's a thread that's kind of gone viral on Reddit. It's like a message board kind of deal about disgusting smells that you actually kind of like. Now, they came up with a list here. But before we get to the list, I kind of want to go around the horn here. Is there a scent that a lot of people would find to be a little off-putting that you actually enjoy, Jerry. There's a couple on this list that I actually like. Like? Uh, I mean, I think gasoline's kind of a universal one a lot of people like. Uh, freshly lit firework on the 4th of July, I think smells good, like gunpowder. Maybe it's a, a military right. thing, but I, but I enjoy the smell of that. Huh, maybe that's it on the list. Okay. Yeah. All right. Allison? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with gasoline. I don't know why. Gasoline is a great smell. And also, the smell of like a garage or a mechanic shop, something like that. And I don't know if that just brings back like childhood stuff or not, but I, I like that smell. Okay. So, these are the things that made the list. These were the most popular answers on the Reddit thread of disgusting smells or off-putting smells that you actually enjoy. Number one, the smell of an auto parts store. There you so, go. Allison, I think that kind of yep. goes into yours. Absolutely. Number two, the smell when you first turn on the heat in the winter, which is probably just burning dust. Oh, yeah. Burning hair. Ew. I don't know. Burning dust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, farm animals at number three. That's a hard pass for yeah, me. No. No, no. I'm out on that. Old libraries. I haven't been in one. Yeah. Number four, a freshly blown out match. I kind of put that in the same category of like a firework. Now, fireworks got a little bit more sulfur, I guess, involved in it. Uh, gasoline comes in at number six. How about this? Number seven, your underarms or your body odor. Nope. That's fancy talk for your own farts. So, everybody close your eyes in the studio. You don't have to see anybody else's answer. If you like the smell of your own passing of gas, raise your hand. I totally looked at Allison. I totally looked at Allison. I knew you would. <laughs> Everybody go home and, uh, what is it called? Dutch oven yourself tonight. Right. Here's some other interesting things on this list. Fish food flakes. They've kind of got a distinct smell some people like. Nail polish or nail polish remover. I don't think people like the smell. I think they're just getting high at that yeah, point. Yeah, it is very distinct, too. I don't think it's a good one. <laughs> they're just huffing it to get high at that point. And chlorine in a swimming pool. Same reason. 100%. Um, there's a new Guinness world record that's out there. 
hottest pepper. It's called Pepper X. Now, it's been around for a few years, but the fine folks at Guinness finally weighed in and named it the world's hottest pepper. The old record was held by the Carolina Reaper. This one, Pepper X, it averages 2.69 million Scoville units. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds hot. The Carolina Reaper was 1.6 million. Now, the guy that created this pepper... He was the guy that had the Carolina Reaper, so he broke his own record, and he's been doing some crossbreeding and some, you know, pollination, trying to get his peppers even hotter. Here he is. This is a culmination of a lot of work by a lot of people. People said it couldn't be done. They called us liars, and we proved to them uh, that Pepper X is actually the hottest pepper in the world. Claus, you're the yeah, first yeah. person in the whole wide world to okay. eat a whole Pepper X yeah. besides me. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Just that violent and ever-growing um, thing that is somehow making my face tighter. Like, <laughs> the skin of my face feels tighter to my hat. It's very spicy. It's violent and tight, Jerry. <laughs> Listen, I am out. I am out on this. I When I coached travel baseball, we went to uh, to B-dubs, and there was that, but that Blazing Hot Challenge. Yeah. And I like spicy food. I signed up for that, and I will never do another spicy <laughs> challenge ever in my life. I have nothing to prove to anybody. This is crazy. It, 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 it took over a decade of crossbreeding. He's like the, the Dr. Frankenstein of chili peppers. Right. And he had the old record, too. Right. He broke his own record. Right. It wasn't like he was motivated to get to the top. He was already there. This man is a beast. That's what makes the great ones great. He must right be protected. There. Yep. Which brings us to great moments in pepper history. Now, I'm going to take you down a couple different paths here. Joe Biden was speaking at a prestigious university. There was the chancellor. There was the university president whose name was Dr. Paper. P-A-E-P-E-R, Dr. Paper. Thank you, uh, Terry. And thank you, uh, Dr. Pepper. And Thank you, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I find myself saying that at home. I find myself saying it here at the office. Like, Nigel will come in with a beer or something. Thank you, Dr. Pepper. I would immediately look for the person, the call student, throwing footballs into the thing. <laughs> Great moments in Pepper history. The band Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is what the Red Hot Chili Peppers sound like to people who don't like the band. Come to a leaper with the peppermint pig, the chalupas in the fair to red it. <laughs> California, buttermilk pancakes in mass. Stepped on a toe, broken out with hoco. Now it's time to reiterate. <laughs> that is so messed up. I got a thumbtack on my nutsack. That's what the band sounds like to people who don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And last but certainly not least, great moments in pepper history, the guy that took a Carolina Reaper and put it in his vape. If any of you don't know what a Carolina Reaper is, Guinness Book of World Records recognizes it as the world's hottest pepper. Okay, I'm going to vape it first. <laughs> oh god that's oh. oh my god my lungs are on fire oh god 
is our future. Oh my God! <laughs> Next night with WIBC, Matt Bear is going to break that record. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez in the Spanglish pinch hitting for Big Knives today. And let's go to the 93 WIBC hotline and bring on Tony Kennett, a man that was filling in for Big Knives the last couple of days. It's Hammer and Friends. That's what this show has become, Tony. You know, everybody likes a little bit of Hammer time. So, you know, <laughs> Hammer and Friends sounds like a fair way to do the show. All right. So, round two of voting and Jim Jordan lost a little bit of ground, lost a vote. Although Victoria Sparts did ultimately vote for Jim Jordan in round two, what's your takeaway of what you're seeing with this Speaker of the House situation? So Jim Jordan was supposed to lose ground uh, by a lot more than he did. Again, the majority of the constituents in the country of these GOP representatives are in favor of electing Jim Jordan. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing everywhere. That's that's who I'm speaking to. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of virtue signaling uh, from some representative members of Congress. For example, uh, Carlos A. Jimenez, um, who is out of Miami-Dade, uh, you see him talking about how important it is to elect only Kevin McCarthy. Well, he's trusting Kevin McCarthy with being the speaker, uh, yet he doesn't trust Kevin McCarthy enough when McCarthy votes for Jordan. And that's what the attitude among Republicans around the country is. We really need to get Jordan in there. It makes sense. Again, even Sparks is finally kind of coming around to that uh, very obvious way of thinking. I still think that Jordan has a shot. I think that around if he can get it done by five, then he's good. If we don't get it by five, there may be some another backroom meeting. There's a lot of stuff up in the air at this point. Hey, Tony, it's Jerry. Hey, so if if not Jordan, then who? Well, that's the question. Because who who is there at this point? Uh, it's not. I really don't see Scalise being the the next speaker. Although I guess it could be. Uh, again, it, at this point, what we're looking at is the uh, Republican kind of holdout crew that originally ousted McCarthy. They're not going to pick anyone that they don't like. I think the fears of, oh, the Democrats are going to cut some deals and we're going to have a Democrat speaker. I don't see that as happening. I just don't see that as being a thing. I think you could see some gridlock for maybe a couple of months, if not Jordan. I don't like it, uh, but I see the, the current uh, speaker fill in, probably filling in for a, a lot longer than he originally anticipated. And ultimately... Is it really that bad? Are we making too much of a deal of who the Speaker of the House is here, Tony? Yes, I think so. Everyone in America knows that Congress sucks. Um, the Speaker has pretty much one role and one role alone, and that's to kind of wheel and deal and moderate between the establishment, the conservatives, the more libertarian-leaning, and then the populace. Those are the four factions of Republicans, the establishment neocons, the traditional conservatives, which I would say I'm a part of, the populists who are very Trumpian, and then you have the libertarian-leaning members from some areas out in the Central Plains. That's the speaker's job is to unite those groups to move legislation. And I think that picking, I thought McCarthy did a lot better of a job than a lot of people do at the moment. I was not a fan of McCarthy, uh, but I think that we're making way too big of a deal about this. Yes, we should have a speaker, but the nitpicking over how perfect the speaker needs to be is a little silly at this point. 
Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal, investigative reporter, and coming soon, nightly host here at 93 WIBC. His program starts November 6th, right after Hammer and Nigel uh, at 7 p.m. So, Tony, let's turn our attention to Israel. You and I were on the air yesterday, and the headlines right out of the gate, the Israelis bombed a hospital. But if you really just take a deep breath and step back and let all the information come out, that was not the case. And, and the reason that we knew something was fishy, as I said, on the air, it was very overt. This goes completely against the operating fashions of Israel in every single military conflict that they've had since the Six-Day War. We have never seen them not take extreme and excruciating care if they were going to bomb anywhere near a hospital to tell everyone, their grandmother and their grand cousin, to get out of the area. They put toe-tapper bombs in place. They did everything that they could to make sure that if they were going to strike a military target, which, again, Hamas does put their bases at the bottoms of schools, mosques, and hospitals that everyone was cleared out. So this unannounced attack was weird. Number two, all of the media immediately rushed to take Hamas's 500 casualty announcement with the most utmost sincerity and seriousness. That's red flag number two. And number three, the daylight popped up. Because, you know, that's kind of how time works. It moves forward. And there was this really teeny tiny crater really small, teeny tiny crater where there was supposed to be, according to a lot of the anti-Semites and the both sizers here in the United States, that said, well, it was an American JDAM missile. I've seen American JDAMs in person. Jerry, I don't know if you've, have you ever, did they ever show you in basic what a JDAM can do uh, to an area? Yeah, we, yeah, we saw those. Kind of a big crater, right? You know, not exactly one of our smaller bottle rockets, but that's what hit the parking lot outside of this hospital. Didn't even hit the hospital. So that's number three. Israel wouldn't have even been accurate. Israel is always accurate with their strikes within centimeters of where they aimed. So I decided to kind of wait until further information came out. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, nope. And now... Everyone out there who trusted Hamas is eating crow this morning because it turned out Israel didn't do it. But but are they eating crow? Because I feel like that's one of the biggest problems uh, today. It's just in the way that people get their information. It's it's first for the story or first for whatever, you know, the bloodlust or whatever you need it to be. You know, look what Israel did and you get all the people going and then they don't really hear the retraction. Right. So in two weeks from now, there's going to be people talking about Israel hit a hospital. Right. So so that that's the issue. That is that they're not going back and letting these people know, hey, this is actually what's going on. So we are seeing actually a little bit of crow eating, and and I, I'm with you again. There should be a feast of crow. You know, how, you know there I should mean, be Croatia, t- 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 Tony. Here. We still hear hands up, don't shoot. Right, that that is false. That 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 never happened. Right. So like, oh, no, I agree it's with the, you. It's the I, same I thing. Israel hit a hospital. We're going to hear this a month from now, and it it will have never happened. No, I I agree with you as far as that's concerned. But as far as like ABC News and the New York Times have already issued statements basically saying, look, we jumped the gun on this. Reuters said the same thing. The Wall Street Journal has been trying to do its own damage control. Uh, Again, they usually pride themselves on really solid reporting. So their kind of backtracking here is is quite substantial. And it's not going to be a total victory. But I think what last night was is a good example for the entire country to take a look at who rushes to trust and support Hamas. Those are the both-sidesers. Those are the anti-Semites on the left and on the right. 
and the media apparatus that, like the Associated Press, who used to share a freaking office with Hamas. Right. But, Tony, to Jerry's point, and I see where he's going here, like this morning, those newspapers you already mentioned, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, even the Washington Post, they had very tricky headlines that if you didn't follow this as closely as we all do, you would think that this was Israel's fault. And while, yes, they could come out later on and go, well, here's what really happened, more people, I think, are going to see that massive headline than the retraction. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. And that's always the way it is. Let me clarify. When I said that they were eating crow, I didn't mean that they walked out and said, guys, I'm sorry, we're wrong. What I mean by eating crow is that they're kind of being force-fed crow by a lot of organizations that didn't jump the gun, including yours truly. I was an investigative columnist who made the right call. You were a radio host who made the right call. And so what we have the, I wouldn't say the joy, but what we have the duty of doing now is going around to all of these congressmen, all of these journo hacks all of these journalism and political science majors and rubbing their noses in the dog crap that they put on the carpet because every other American needs to see us doing that. Number one, because they should be listening to Hammer and Nigel in the evening. Number two, because they should be critical of breaking news that seems to be a little too good to be true for one side of the political aisle. And number three, because frankly, it's fun to rub idiots' noses in the dog crap they put on the carpet. Tony Kennett is our guest, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal. Tony, we got about a minute left here. I know education has always been kind of your wheelhouse. You were a longtime STEM educator here in Marion County. A lot of what you write about stems from what happens in education, and that takes us to the teachers' unions. So, Becky Pringle is the president of the <laughs> NEA. That is the organization that runs the Indiana State Teachers Association. That's the big teachers' union here in in the state. That's the Red for Ed crew. And she has thrown the teachers' union's entire weight behind defending Palestine. You say, well, why does that matter? Guess what your kids are going to be talking about in history class for the next couple of weeks? And when the teachers' union tells their teachers, as we are already starting to see, to lean on the side of Palestine to give them this disinformation, you think there are a lot of teachers this morning that refrained from talking about the Israeli-Gaza incident or analyzing media coverage? No. You probably had a lot of teachers' union in individuals like Becky Pringle did that are going to waltz into classrooms and give their kids a bunch of misinformation to sugarcoat Hamas and the Palestinian movement. And that is the definition of misinformation, of brainwashing, of indoctrination to raise a new generation of socialist advocates, because that's the red-green alliance between Palestinians and American Marxists as a whole. Where can we get more information, my friend? You should be following me on Twitter at TheTonus, or you can also be checking out my work over at DailySignal.com, where I write all the time. And November 6th, that's the big date, right? That's right. I'm actually uh, finishing up a little bit of pre-programming for the show right now. It's going to be a knockdown dragout. Oh, I can't wait. Are you going to have beer sample Friday? Are you going to have moonshine Monday like we do around here? Can we look forward to those uh, wacky type of bits, Tony? I'll say that when we do those kind of bits, you can expect Hammer to hop on and cause a little bit of trouble. Damn right. Tony Kennett, Daily Signal and WIBC. Tonus, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Gary Lopez is filling in for Big Nige at Indie Spanglish. In about a minute left here, how did you get so involved with, like, indie politics? Uh, So I was a a member of the Indiana Republican Diversity Leadership Series. The GOP is the only one in the country that actually has that program uh, that's reached out to uh, to people of color, LBGTQ, anybody, anybody really, just to kind of introduce themselves to the party. Uh, Before that, I already had a social media following just from being outspoken. Once I was able to kind of, you know, put faces to names and get to meet people— um, you know, I was able to to get relationships with people of influence, and I think that once once I was able to kind of build that connection and but you can still rip them though, right? You, you yeah, yeah, definitely sold out, right? No, you can no, rip their no, ass. yeah, no, yeah. I'll, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah. If I don't rip your ass, we're not friends, right? Right. That's how it works, yeah. man. That's how dudes are. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. So right now at the Capitol. There's a large group of people inside protesting, calling for a ceasefire. I'm Jason Hammer, Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish on Twitter filling in. And Jerry, look at the scene right there. There's probably a good, I'd say, maybe 200 people there. And they've got a big banner. They're right there in the rotunda under the big dome of Capitol Hill, yelling, chanting, calling for a ceasefire. There's a big banner that says ceasefire. If that banner said something else, let's just say that banner said elections are rigged, would those people be going to jail? Uh, they'd be in jail immediately. They'd have to worry about it for the next 10 years. <laughs> right, right. But because they're, you know, the ceasefire people, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Now, before you tell me, well, this is a peaceful protest. Not true. Multiple people have been arrested as a result of what's happening at Capitol Hill right now. But they moved the goalposts so much, Hammer. Do you remember when BLM went after Secret Service at the Capitol? Like, that was way worse than I think a lot of things that happened on J6. But the folks on January 6th voted for the orange man, so they had to be made an example of everybody. Like, what's a bigger threat to bring down your democracy? Because we always hear that stupid line, they're trying to threaten democracy. First of all, it's a constitutional republic, but we'll have that conversation later. The crowds that show up that, you know, are pretty dangerous with face coverings on, or the folks that showed up on January 6th. Now, you could say both, and that's fine, but, man, I'm looking at this crowd right now at the Capitol. It's getting a little rowdy. I think it I think it determines on who's keeping score, right? Who Who is more dangerous to the elites running the country? The informed voters on the right who are seeing the game, right? Who Who is more, who's more of a worry to the people on the right? The people on the left who just don't get it. Right. And we're looking at the pictures. There is a large crowd at Capitol Hill. Nobody, There's, nobody putting on cuffs or anything yet. Not yet, but there have been a few people that have been arrested. I saw that video. Meanwhile, in New York, we're seeing another day of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters going to the streets. And I'm wondering... At what point do bad actors in local communities just see the 
there's a gathering and they Johnny come lately just to be a pain in the ass. Because I feel like that was a big part of what happened in Indianapolis in 2020. Things were pretty peaceful during the daytime, during the George Floyd protests. People were walking around. They were chanting. They were upset. Fine. But as the day went on and the sun went down, a lot of bad actors who don't even know probably why they were there came downtown because they thought, well, hot damn, I'm going to try to loot a store. I'm going to throw a brick through Windsor Jewelry. I'm going to break the windows of Jack's Donuts because I can now. And not my town anyway, right? I mean, they, these people are coming in from outside of Indianapolis to trash Indy and then go back home. You, you know, the, the 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 first thing to look for is, is Antifa. Any flags, any signage, any the the all black. Uh, because when they show up, things go south. And I'm sure they will not let this opportunity pass. And it still floors me. And I know Rob... Kendall talks about this a lot, that one of the leaders of the indie BLM movement was Malik Muhammad, who led an angry mob up the streets heading to the governor's mansion. And Governor Holcomb's response was to reward that behavior by having a one-on-one meet and greet with him where they talked about changing police policy. Yeah, DEI is more important than actually talking about facts. But if you were a business owner that just wanted to open up during COVID, you were called a Petri dish. Oh, and you probably boarded up your stuff and you're lo- no longer located downtown anymore. And then you got a lecture from Joe Hogsett because I remember this distinctively. This was after the situation in Kentucky where people boarded up their windows because they thought, here, it comes again. Joe Hogsett told people it sends a bad message to the protesters. The people that broke your window the last time around, we don't want to send the wrong message to them that you're not welcomed here. That I'm at a loss for words. I mean, I mean that's ridiculous. And he was just endorsed by by the uh, the Indian Chamber. Yeah, what? This makes no sense. Because big red liquors, and I want to say the yeah. winner circle. This is like real life idiocracy. It is. Both of those places said, you know what? Last time around, this was not pretty for us. So we're going to board up. This was after the Breonna Taylor, I believe, situation. And Joe Hawksett says, you're sending a bad message to the protesters. If you're not letting them steal your stuff, something's wrong. So as we look at Capitol Hill, we're starting to see some people get dragged out. Uh, There's a sit-in basically happening right now. But, But So these people will just be charged with simple trespass, right? Well, they should. Yes. But on J6, those people were being charged with huge things that probably did the same right. thing. They A lot of these idiots just walked in, hung out for too long, took a couple pictures, and got a call from the FBI six months ago saying, we have pictures of you in the building. Now you're getting five to seven years. Hell, some people got charged that weren't even there for January 6th. They were charged with inciting a riot, and they weren't even there. We've got people being dragged out of the Capitol right now. And you're right, Jerry. I'm curious to see if we do the paperwork here in a couple months. Let's see what the justice system does with those people compared to some of our friends on January 6th. I mean, they look like they're treating it like a simple trespass. They're even letting them finish. And again, if that sign said anything other than ceasefire, Mm. if it said Trump 2024, they would be throwing in tear gas at this point. Nobody's even wearing red. If there was even red there or red hat. So this is going on in Washington. It's going on in New York. A lot of stories of this kind of thing happening overnight after the situation with the hospital. Now, keep in mind that there now is audio and video 
This exists. That proves it was a Hamas rocket that was shot into the hospital. I believe it was an accidental fire, but there is video that shows an errant rocket hitting the hospital. Because when the story first broke yesterday, Jerry, we were on the air here, and I mean, none of the information was really out yet, but you already had Ilhan Omar, you had Rashida Tlaib jumping on Twitter, firing up the base, and then this morning, multiple newspaper headlines like the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, really tricky wording, but trying to blame Israel for what happened. Yeah, even after finding out that that Israel didn't do it. They Ilhan Omar's tweets are still up. The all the New York Times it was just reword a, a headline, but didn't make it known that it was uh, came from the from the Gaza side. Evidently, some militants tried to shoot a rocket from behind, like the cemetery next to this hospital. Right, and an errant rocket struck the hospital, killed four hundred and seventy one people. It was a series of rockets there, that went yeah, out. Yeah, there have been uh, protests all well now it's nighttime, but all night, all day yesterday, in a lot of these Middle Eastern countries over this lie. And I guess the million-dollar question becomes, why are so many folks in the national media, people who should know better, like if you're the headline writer for the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, I would hope you have a little bit of journalistic background. Why are these people just taking the words of these crazy, radical, jihadi Hamas members why are they just taking their word for it and running with it? Well, somebody shared an office with them in Gaza. You remember that? It wasn't too long ago uh, that they came out and noticed that one of these news organizations shared an office with them in Gaza. So, I mean, it's just crazy. All the, all these, even the protests, Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, you know, obviously in, in, in Gaza and all these other areas, nobody's accepting any of these any of these refugees. Egypt's come out and said, we're not taking any of them, but they want us to take them, which right. makes no sense. And we've got people that want us to take them, elected officials in Washington, even though our border is already a train wreck. That Nikki Haley wanted us to take a million or something like that. <laughs> they want more folks to come on in. So earlier today, Joe Biden announced he's giving $100 million in aid to the Gaza Strip. Now, Jerry, Joe Biden claims this is for humanitarian purposes. Your thoughts? He doesn't get to decide what purpose it's for. Hamas runs the country. They'll decide what they use that money for. So all aid in Gaza is controlled yeah, by um, Hamas. Yeah, 100%. The elected Who's going to give, give the money to? They, they, they run Gaza. They are the government. Is he? I don't know who he's going to give $100 million to in Gaza that's not going to be part of the government. And he thinks he's helping by saying it's for humanitarian purposes, but the you're right. The people that run that area They'll decide. are yeah. the Hamas terrorists. They are the elected political party there. They currently have hostages, Americans kidnapped, Americans being held hostage. And Joe Biden just gave them $100 million. Here's Ron DeSantis. Joe Biden just announced $100 million of your taxpayer dollars going to the Gaza Strip. They say it's humanitarian assistance. We know Hamas is going to commandeer that money, and Hamas is going to use it to advance terrorism. I say no U.S. tax dollars 
to the Gaza Strip. We still have hostages being held by Hamas. Thank you. There are American hostages being held by Hamas. How are you funding them when they're holding Americans as well as others hostage? I challenge every Republican running, step up to the plate, join me in opposing Biden's $100 million gift to Hamas. Who is who's making these decisions? Whoever's pretending to be Joe Biden. That's the question. Whoever is pretending to be Joe Biden that's actually calling the shots, whether that's Susan Rice, whether that's members of the Obama family, who knows? Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. My man, Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish, filling in for Nigel. This is how we're going to do Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by Jerry. He's going to break down the information. He's going to tell us if it's anything or not. We ready? We're ready. Let's go. Is this anything? A picture of a reported mountain lion in Pennsylvania was gaining popularity. It went viral. People in Pennsylvania were freaking out, thinking a mountain lion was on the loose. Turns out it was a feral house cat. Here is Thomas Keller, a biologist with the Pennsylvania Game Commission, explaining why the photos were just normal cats. It turns out that they're actually house cats. The problem with the photo is if we don't have anything in that photo that's readily available or it really sticks out to us as, oh, well, this is this big because here's a soccer ball or here's something that's really known, it's easy to not really understand how big the, the animal is. That anything? I mean, this is crazy. So now every time you see a mountain lion, you got to hold a dollar next to it. <laughs> Count me out. And like, imagine if you're that house cat, how much of a Billy badass you feel like. It was like Garfield. Right. You're walking around going, yep, I'm in charge. Everybody's running away from you. You're feeling pretty good. You're walking with your chest out a little bit. You got 13 lives. You don't have nine. You got 13 because you're the baddest cat in the land because people think you're a mountain lion. Pretty, pretty close to getting smoked, though. So you might. <laughs> I want well, to lose, lose a little weight. I mean, it's kind of like the way Tupac lived his life, <laughs> yeah. right? You got to walk around with your chest out. You're the baddest dude on the planet until you're not. You're not. Is this anything? Tom Brady said on his podcast that he believes too many penalty flags are being thrown in the NFL and the game is becoming way less physical. All I know is the defender's got every right to push back on DK, but he doesn't do it. And they throw a flag. I'm like, I don't understand what the flag is. This is football. You know, this isn't touch football. This is real football. And I think the physicality, which people really enjoy, I certainly enjoy. I love that physical element of the sport. I don't think we should ever lose that. You know, there's so many people that want it less and less physical. It's more like flag football, which is going to be in the Olympics in 2028. You know, which maybe football goes to flag football over a period of time. And I don't think fans will like that that much. Then everyone should stop bitching about unnecessary roughness calls. That anything? Uh, this is a result of Tom Brady's paychecks, right? So, like, anytime those quarterbacks are making $30 million, $40 million for a year, you got to protect those guys. You protect those guys by throwing flags for things. You throw enough flags, guys stop doing certain things, and those guys stay healthy, a.k.a. the low hit, right? That came right. from Tom Brady. He got hit, broke his leg, he was out early, and the NFL, NFL said, we're not doing that ever again. New rule. And it 
Let's be honest. You could call holding on every single play if you wanted to. Like the holding happens in the yeah. trenches all the time. So it's sometimes it's like watching the NBA. It depends on who you are of whether or not you're going to get that call. Yeah, but for somebody who's benefited from that call, probably more than more than most, I don't think he should be complaining about flags. Is this anything? A new poll of more than 1500 teenagers has found that the average teenager spends 4.8 hours on social media per day, Jerry. Is yeah, this anything? It's alarming. That's a lot. I mean, I'm not surprised uh, that, that that's the case because, you know, unlike uh, when I was a kid, we used to have to go outside, right? right. They, they don't have to do that anymore. Most kids don't do that to hang out with their friends, so it is a little different. But that number is only going to go up. Right, we're new in the social media game. Right? right, when that when we start getting to to glasses and all this other stuff, just in day to day, some of these people will probably be tuned into that screen for twelve plus. And I know I sound like get off my lawn guy, but like when I was growing up, I'm sure you were probably the same way. Like you're older than me. <laughs> I'm a little bit older. You'd play with your friends in the neighborhood, right? You'd have football games in the neighborhood and baseball games, wiffle ball games in the street, yep. and like those friends. You know, I remember those games. Drink out of the hose, right? I remember those experiences a hell of a lot more than I talked to someone interesting on I, social media today. I got 40, 40 kills yesterday on, on Fortnite. <laughs> right. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Big Nige is out. Jerry Lopez is in. And Jerry, for the first time, broadcast cameras will be permitted inside the courtroom as Richard Allen, the man accused in the Delphi murders of Libby German and Abby Williams in 2017, appears before Judge Fran Gull in Allen County tomorrow. Now, keep in mind, photography and digital streaming will not be allowed. The judge's order says one or two cameras will be authorized for pool coverage of the hearing, but members of the general public are prohibited from broadcasting, recording, streaming, or taking pictures. So there's going to be two dedicated cameras in the courtroom tomorrow. And I got to be honest with you, I think tomorrow could be interesting because it sounds like the judge in this case, Fran Gull, might be reading the Riot Act to pretty much everybody involved in this whole situation. Yeah, they, they just had a report now of graphics uh, crime scene photos being leaked over the weekend. And then she, she turns around and says, hey, I want to talk to everybody and we're going to have cameras in here when I talk to everybody. Right. So from what I heard, it's not the first time this has happened either. It happened last spring as well when she went off on 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 the defense for, um, for leaking some information uh, previously about some jury pull or discovery information that they had. And we spoke with Richard Essex yesterday. He's the investigative reporter for Wish TV, and he's been covering this thing. And there 
is a chance. I don't know how big of a chance, but there is a chance that these leaked crime scene photos could be a big problem for this case. Now, nobody wants this case to be dismissed on a technicality, right? I think everybody wants the justice system, cross your fingers, to work properly this time. And it would be a shame if a technicality, which some would say constitutional rights, but leaked crime scene photos to a podcast that could potentially taint a jury pool is the reason that this whole thing comes undone. And they're saying they're not even sure that the attorney's in on it, right? They said an employee, a former employee of Richard Allen's attorney, all right? So that guy got into the attorney's files, right? took some crime scene photos, sent them to somebody, sent them to somebody, sent them to somebody. Now, now it's viral. Because apparently these crime scene photos, they were kept about as safe as the classified documents in Joe Biden's garage, where somebody could just go in there at any time, take a look around and send things out. I mean, definitely another case of can't keep your evidence in your pants. Right, right. right. Now, we've had those folks from the Murder Sheet podcast on this show a bunch of times, Anya and Kevin. They've been amazing, and they are doing everything by the book. They did not ask for these things to be emailed. It was an unsolicited email sent to them that included what we believe to be crime scene photos, grisly crime scene photos. And once they received it, they called the authorities, they deleted everything. But if they received it, who else received it? That's the question. Well, once it's out there, it's out there, right? What do they say? You can't put the tooth back, toothpaste back in back in the um, in the tube, the, the, the tube at all. So once it's out, it's out. And and unfortunately, you know, the further along we get in, into technology and society, we'll get more accustomed to that. I do think there's a lot of people who fail to realize that you know, once you put anything, a picture on the internet, it's out right. there forever. And that's a message I try to give to my kids, you know, like, listen, I know you guys are growing up in the social media age, but you know, if you ever want to have that dream job, you don't want some stupid tweet to come back and haunt you some stupid Instagram post or video to come back and haunt you. So it's going to be interesting tomorrow. Not everything in this case is going to be interesting, but I think tomorrow, Judge Fran Gull might be pulling her inner Bob Knight. I'm not here to screw around this week. Now you may be, but I'm not especially to the defense team. Uh, we're doing uh, some look around here, doing a little bit of a look around around the nation. So do you remember the Natalie Holloway case, Jerry? I do. I do. She was the Alabama teenager that went to Aruba and never came home. And there were a lot of questions about her disappearance. And the name that kept coming up was Johan Vandersloot. Well, after almost two Decades, the mystery of what happened to Natalie Holloway in Aruba, we believe, has been solved because Vandersloot confessed to the Holloway parents in court that he beat her to death and then went home and watched pornography. So it sounds like there was a situation where they were romantically together. She did not want to do stuff that he wanted to do. And according to his own words, he beat her to death and then went home and watched porn. I mean, does it feel any better, though? 
You know, like if you're the parents, are you just you just want to put a put a bow on it and be done? Because I, as a parent, I wouldn't feel any better unless that was it. Unless it was going okay, you finally admitted to it. Now I can go to bed. You're still not going to get your daughter's body back. You're still not going to have any answers. You're still not. He just basically showed up and said, "I did it." He's already in jail for eighty years already in Peru. Right. He was sentenced to uh, forty six years in prison in two thousand twelve for killing another woman in Peru and drug charges. And he got a sweetheart deal from this judge in Alabama. So part of the deal, part of the plea was he would plead guilty to trying to extort money from Holloway's family. Basically, he got busted trying to tell Natalie's mom, I'll tell you what happened, but you're going to pay me X amount of money. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, But this U.S. judge basically let him off the hook for the murder that he's confessing to of Natalie in exchange for this plea of extortion. And I'm sorry, if I'm the family of Natalie Holloway, I don't think I got justice here, Jerry. So so $25,000 in restitution, $200 for a special assessment. He's not an American citizen, so he waives his right to an appeal. He waives his right to reenter the United States and will be fined if he reenters the United States. We see how well that works at the southern border. Right. And that's it. Other than that, back to Peru to finish your jail time. Right. He was sentenced to 240 months in prison for the 2010 scheme to shake down the Holloway parents. So what this judge did was gave him a concurrent U.S. sentence to Purdue, to Peru, which means he's basically not going to get another second of time added to that sentence already. Once he leaves the U.S., he will never come back here and he will never really pay a price for uh, for Natalie Holloway. He paid the price for murdering another woman. He paid the price for extortion. But the death of Natalie Holloway, this woman who he admitted to killing, no one's going to be held accountable for that. And 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 just for comparison, we did for those of you in Indiana, Lauren Spear, we did a little research on that. This kind of the same story. She goes missing. Uh, who was the other girl? Oh, Hannah, uh, Hannah Wilson. Hannah, the, uh, the her her killer, eighty years. So just to give you an idea, same kind of same kind of deal. She went missing. He was found guilty of murder. He was found guilty of the kidnapping. Daniel Messel was his name. Yes, eighty years in prison. This guy's paying twenty five thousand dollars in restitution, two hundred dollars for special assessment, and going back to Peru. And the judge told the Holloway family, uh, "You will not find." Uh, your teenager's remains, but did not provide any further details. And here's the problem that I have with this, in addition to the sweetheart plea deal, the judge in the Birmingham FBI refused to allow guests, information, data, and experts that the Holloway family wanted to use in court, including Greta Van Susteren, who longtime attorney, used to have the Fox show back in the day. Now I think she's on News Nation. She covered that story 
from the beginning to the end better than anybody. And she was not allowed to come in and share her information, the findings of her independent reports. The Holloway family was told, no, you're not allowed to do that. And a sweetheart deal was given to this kid. Why does it seem like all the bad guys get taken care of the best when it comes to rights, when it comes to squatters, squatters' rights, when it comes to these people that were trying to defend their property from protesters? The protester was protected. The store owner was arrested. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's pretty disgusting. Um, Allison, let's do a little Halloween stuff, shall we? Pumpkins, candy, costumes, Halloween stuff. All right, I'm begging you. Do not laugh, you insensitive bastards. Dateline, North Carolina. A family in North Carolina very upset after their loved one's body was mistaken for Halloween decorations and left outside for a number of days. Even the lawn care workers thought that it was Halloween decorations and just mowed around the body. This is from WJZY in North Carolina. The family discovered a lawn care worker mowed around Robert Owens' near-naked body thinking it was a prop. A day later, someone else made the gruesome discovery. Don't know how, how you can do that. Mow right beside someone and assume that they're Halloween decoration at a house no one lives at. Family members admit that the guy was known to do drugs, but they say, however, that doesn't explain how he ended up where he did and why the lawn crew saw this naked body, basically, and thought it was Halloween decorations. Did, did anybody check to see if he was bought at like a spirit store or anything like that, <laughs> maybe? I told you, do <laughs> not laugh, you insensitive bastards. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige today. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. So it looks like it's Minshew for the rest of the season, Jerry. Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson will have that season-ending surgery. We were talking about watching the Colts games a little bit earlier in the back office. And like last Sunday... At what point did you decide, screw it, I'm going to the Red Zone channel? Uh, I've done that all year. (laughs) There have been some ups and downs, no doubt. But, man, this stinks because I wanted to see the progression of Anthony Richardson. Like, I think this whole year was about what can he learn from week one to week 17, right? Because even Peyton Manning stunk as a rookie. He can't stay healthy, though. He can't stay on. He's been hurt in every single game he's appeared in. And this is the problem. That sucks. Is he or is he not your franchise? Can you build around a guy that, one, seems to be a little brittle, and number two, Is it a wasted rookie year because, you know, he played in just a handful of games, had to leave some of those games, and he's not going to get the full learning experience. He only played quarterback at Florida in the SEC for one year. You know, Peyton, I keep using him as the example, four years at Tennessee, and he was a star in high school. Anthony Richardson was kind of a late bloomer, and he's just a big, strong dude that his athletic ability led him to just beat a lot of people. Well, you can't do that in the NFL. Right. And and you know what? I'm 
I don't want us to play Minshew. I want us to play Sam Ellinger. You ready to tank for the whole thing? Yep. yep. You want Marvin Harrison want, Jr. in the it, horseshoe? Yep. I don't want to get the 20th pick. I don't want the 17th or 18th pick. If we're going to lose, let's lose, baby, lose. Pick up that bat phone and call Curtis Painter get right a top now. Five, get a five, top five pick, you know. Because the first couple picks are probably quarterbacks, yeah. whether it's the USC kid, the North Carolina kid, take your pick. That's probably one and two. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. He's right up there. Probably number three in the draft. So, there's a lot of bad teams in the league, though. I don't know if the Colts can get in the top three. There are some teams that stink really bad, but, man, it's a bummer. Anthony Richardson, season-ending surgery. He's going to be having that. He's out for the rest of the year, and I think this whole year is just a wash because I don't know if he's going to learn anything from just playing in a couple of games. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So another vote, another failure by the House Republicans. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Jerry Lopez filling in for Big Nige. And yesterday, Jim Jordan got 200 votes. Not enough to become Speaker of the House. Today, he got one less, Jerry. 199 for Jim Jordan. Hakeem Jeffries, 212. Others... 22. Now, Victoria Sparts did ultimately vote for Jim Jordan today. It was controversial yesterday. She did not vote for Jim Jordan. And today, the first roll call, she was not there. And when they came back to her, then she cast her vote for Jim Jordan. She put out a tweet. And I just retweeted this at Hammer and Nigel. This is from Victoria Sparts. Quote, I voted for Jim Jordan this time because of the bold and truthful nomination speech Tom Cole gave on the floor. But I still think we need to call back an organizational meeting to hash out our differences. Like this is so embarrassing and so stupid. It's a clown show. What what is the House GOP doing? Like pick somebody and move on. I'll tell you exactly what they're doing, Jerry. They think this is cute. Representative Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania voted for John Boehner. Kelly of Pennsylvania. Former Speaker of the House, the Honorable John Boehner. Boehner. And those are Democrats cheering for it because they're sitting back. It's like the Michael Jackson meme. They got their popcorn. They're watching the show. They're watching the circus right now. I would like to put Andy Spanglish in for Speaker of the House if anybody wants to waste a vote on John Boehner. Can I write you in for Andy Mayer? Because I'm looking for names to add to yeah, that list, I w- too. I will, too. I will accept your nomination. So, Jordan lost 22 votes on the second ballot for Speaker. Some of the people ciphering votes away. 
And again, it's not their fault. Like Kevin McCarthy's receiving votes. He voted for Jim Jordan. He's telling people to vote for Jim Jordan. Same thing with Steve Scalise. McCarthy got a couple votes. Scalise got a couple votes. There's only 22. 22 outstanding, right? Right. Zeldin got one. Zeldin got three. Scalise got seven. McCarthy got five. Donald's got one. Emmer got one. Ranger got one. And John Boehner got one. This is so embarrassing right now. And it's back to the lab, back to behind doors. Let's make a deal. But it went from Jim Jordan having momentum yesterday because some folks that were a hard no flipped and voted for him. They just thought if we can just get a few more folks, we're in business. But now it's going the other direction. They lost some. Lost a few. Gained Victoria Sparts, but lost a few others. Uh, we are keeping our eye on the protests happening nationwide. Right now at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., a lot of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas folks. They have made their way into the Capitol. Some areas have been vandalized. And they're calling for a ceasefire. At least that's what the big sign says. I'm wondering, Jerry, if you spoke to how many people out there, are they really interested in a ceasefire? Uh, doesn't matter what they're interested in. The only thing that matters is this is an insurrection. Everybody should be arrested and prosecuted to the, the largest extent of the law. The other part of that is you're not allowed to smack somebody in the face and then ask for a ceasefire before they hit you back. Now you have to deal with the repercussions of what you did. There's a representative of Texas named Randy Weber, and I've retweeted his video, too, because there's a lot of people saying, well, hold on. I thought you conservatives were all about free speech. We are. But there's a little bit more happening in the Capitol right now. Representative Randy Weber. And again, I just retweeted this at Hammer and Nigel outside of his office. He has an I stand with Israel sign. That sign is no more. It was taken off his wall. It was slammed to the ground. Marjorie Taylor Greene, her office was basically surrounded by these folks calling for the wink-wink ceasefire to the point to where she couldn't come out. That sounds a little insurrection-y to me, Jerry. At, at least intimidation. It's got to be got to be something. It's not going to be basic trespassing, but that's what these, if these people are charged, that's what they'll be charged with. So I can only assume that if the Biden administration is telling the truth and the Justice Department is fair and it's just conservative radio hosts that say these things, that these folks will be charged the exact same way as the January 6th folks, right? Zero chance of that. Now, January 6th folks, you came through a police line inside the Capitol. Okay, that's frowned upon. These folks are running around the Capitol, though, too. They got in free. They did not have to go through a police line, but they're breaking things. They're threatening lawmakers, disrupting congressional hearings. I was told that's a threat to our democracy. When, when the left does it, it's okay, right? When BLM does it, when when people are downtown, when the when the the pro choice group is downtown taking over the state house, when they're doing all these things, when BLM was going after Secret Service uh, people and lighting, you know, the 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 summer of love. Like, no, nobody got in trouble. 
it wasn't a big deal to even the media. That was the the mostly peaceful protests. Right. Cost two billion dollars for Picture the damage. Of the fire in the background. <laughs> Liquor store burning to the ground. You're right. You're 100 percent right. And speaking of burning, a lot of embassies around the globe, U.S. embassies, had a rough night last night. So after the uh, hospital situation where video and audio clearly show now it was an errant Hamas missile, not an Israeli bomb, a lot of U.S. embassies were the focal point of some protesting. So in Beirut, you had pro-Palestinian protesters swarm the U.S. embassy. There was tear gas. There were fires in Istanbul, Turkey. Protesters breached the Israeli consulate in Iran. Uh, the president threatened, quote, the flames of U.S. Israeli bombs will soon consume Israel in Jordan. Israeli embassy reportedly stormed by an angry mob. Same thing in Iran at the British embassy and in Baghdad, Iraq, reports of massive riots and protests in the streets and It's not getting better anytime soon, Jerry. Joe Biden overseas speaking with the folks in Israel right now. This is a powder keg. This is just waiting to explode. And and we're talking and this is all these places are outside of the country. What happens when we have a summer of love again and it's in its Israel versus versus Palestine or what they're calling Israel versus Palestine, which has kind of been pro people versus pro terrorism, right? Right. What happens when those protests are, are taking over the, the the whole country? What happens when we don't know who's in this country Bingo. that we can't account for any Muslim extremists or any any Islamic sympathizers that are out here that are looking to attack large groups of people? What about you know white supremacists looking to use a, a moment like this to, to right. like this is just waiting for one moment? So look at all the things happening around the yeah. globe right now. I was told climate change and white supremacy were the two things that really we need to really focus on and look after. Uh, Climate change and white supremacy, the biggest threats to our existence. Well, man, I got to be honest. (laughs) I'm looking around right now, and both of those things probably down the list of things we need to be concerned about. If you do nothing about the climate, the climate will do something against white supremacy. (laughs) Let that sun shine, baby. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. New Mexico prosecutors intending to recharge Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter in connection with that fatal shooting in 2021 on a movie set. This was citing two sources familiar with the matter yesterday, Jerry, and Listen, I don't think Alec Baldwin did himself many favors with the way he acted after the shooting. Remember, his alibi was he never pulled the trigger. Well, clearly, you did. He's done tons of interviews. And while I'm not a lawyer, I work with a crap ton of lawyers here at WIBC. Just shut up. Stop talking. I mean, I'm not trying to feel bad for the guy because he's one of the great scumbags of all time, but he did not do himself any favors. He's not doing himself any favors, but they said what? After some independent tests, uh, they were able to determine that Baldwin had pulled the trigger uh, that killed one person and injured another. His stance has not changed. He's not responsible. He didn't pull the trigger. 
weren't there were other people in the area. It'd be pretty easy to figure out right. if he pulled the trigger or not. Now, the armorer, the person that is supposed to make sure that... That's responsible for the weapons. Right. The yeah. weapons, I believe, is also facing charges here. Uh, but Alec Baldwin pulled the damn trigger. There's a reason why this woman is no longer with us. And the way that he has acted after all of this, I mean, I guess we should expect it because, again, he is one of the great bleep bags of all time. You remember the voicemail that he left his daughter calling her a little pig and everything like that. So I'm not going to be sad if he gets charged again, but I think we all know there's a better chance of Joe Biden being the number one pick in the NBA draft than Alec Baldwin spending any time in a federal pound me in the you know what prison. Agreed completely. Doing some legal stuff here. Man, this story is starting to pick up some steam, and I'm going to tell you the story, and then afterwards I'll explain why it's picking up traction nationwide. A man who spent 16 years in prison for a wrongful conviction that was later released when they found more evidence was fatally shot by a Georgia sheriff's deputy Monday during a traffic stop. So the guy spent 16 years in prison, and then new evidence came out that totally exonerated him, and he was released. But he got pulled over for doing 90 and a 55, and he was swerving, too. So after he got pulled over, he got out of his car upon the request of the deputy, and he stopped cooperating when the deputy told him, I'm going to arrest you for reckless driving. You're doing 90. You're swerving. This is a residential area. So he became a little bit belligerent, started fighting with the officer. The deputy tased him when he refused to comply. But then the guy started assaulting the deputy even more. The taser didn't do anything to him. The deputy then used his baton and taser again to try to subdue this guy. Did not have any effect on him. So... The deputy starts getting beat down even more by this lunatic, and that's when he pulls out his weapon and shot him and killed him, and EMTs tried to come to the scene and revive him, but he later died. Now, the reason this is making national headlines, and I think you already know where we're going here, the suspect was a black male, and while they're not saying the race of the police officer, I'll let you put two and two together, Jerry. Oh, well, yeah, we'll find out pretty quick. I, I think that the, the craziest part of this whole story is he just got paid uh, from the state of Florida. So in June, Ron DeSantis signed a claims bill for him for $817,000 for, uh, for his compensation and additional education. He received that money in August. And now he's dead. Didn't he make it 45 days? No, he didn't. And... You know, it sucks what happened to him for 16 years. That's I'm not why trying he, to make, that, but that's why he was compensated. It's horrible. They did compensate him. Right. But I'm wondering, like, what behavioral traits you learned in prison for 16 years. Yeah. He didn't go to some halfway house. He was inside big boy prison for 16 years. Well, and, and, and despite the fact that he was in there, you know, an innocent man was in jail. The reason he was in jail is because they hit him with the three strikes rule. So he had already had previous convictions for robbery prior to that. As soon as it came up, you're going to jail. 
and man, exonerated that when sucks. some new type of information or evidence came out, let go. It was cleared from his record. He and, didn't. He couldn't find a driver. Eight hundred seventeen thousand dollars. You can't call Uber. And listen, I know you're probably feeling pretty lucky, but doing ninety in a fifty-five and swerving in a residential area is probably not the best way to take advantage of your newfound freedom. If you will, it's almost like you're begging for somebody to pull you over and take you back. And then you didn't even hit the cop with the yes or no, sir. You got attitude. And it sounded like he was a bit of a hard ass because two shots of the juice didn't take him down. Hits with the baton had no effect on him. And he was wailing on the officer and the officer had to defend himself. But we're already seeing the headlines around the country. You know, black man killed by the police. Now, if you dive into the story, you see exactly what happened here. But you know as well as I do, people don't yeah. read the story. They, they see the headline. Yeah, they don't want you to either. We got some legal stuff here. Dateline, Virginia. This is an update on a story we had previously. So there's a woman running for a state seat in Virginia, part of their state council. And while, yes, she's a nurse... She's also dabbled in a little bit of pornography, and they're dubbing her the porn candidate. Her commercial on the air says that she is a nurse. Take a listen. I'm Susanna Gibson, candidate for delegate, and I sponsored this ad. I'm a mom and a nurse practitioner. When I walk through this door, it's never about politics. It's all about what's best for my patients. I am a mom and I am a nurse practitioner. Now, she's a Democrat, but the Democratic Party's a little scared about the background of the porn, so they're using a little bit of a loophole here, Jerry. Tell me if you're all right with this. Because of that commercial where she says, I am a nurse practitioner, they looked at the information. Her license expired last year, and she's been doing, let's just say, other work Mm -hmm. since then. But because... She lied and says she is a nurse practitioner, not she was a nurse practitioner. They're trying to kick her off the ballot because her license was lapsed. I think she she needs to listen or somebody pass this message on to her. Forget about this election. Go with your online form of income that you are going to be bankrolling. You can still pretend to be a nurse. You don't need to have your active license. Right. And you just got a free bunch of publicity. It's I think it's her and her husband. They're a married couple. He's right. an attorney. Go run with it, girl. According to Virginia law, it's a class one misdemeanor for any person to use in connection with their so name, that big of a pretending deal. to be somebody else. And they're claiming Susanna Gibson could be in violation of code section 54.1 if her license is indeed expired. It's probably a mandatory fine of a thousand bucks for a misdemeanor and that's it. How you doing? Keep it moving. Yeah, I'm with you. I think she should just keep... Go that way. Keep doing your thing. I was going to say writing it out, but that's a really poor choice of words. Keep doing what you're doing and make that money. And it's her and her 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 husband. Go do you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, 
jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Some call it Hammer or Nigel. Hammer and Friends. Thank you for tuning in this afternoon. Jerry Lopez is Nigel today. The Jer Bear, Indy Spanglish on Twitter. Man, thank you for filling in today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Always a really fun time uh, being here with you. So, yeah, thank you for the invite. So, I want to get to Biden's trip to Israel here in just a moment. But, again, this situation at the Capitol right now with all of these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters, sympathizers. Some of them have been arrested. Some people threatened lawmakers that got in today. Others walked around and destroyed property. I retweeted a video at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter of a Texas lawmaker that had his We Stand with Israel sign framed glass thing slammed on the ground and broken. I'm just thinking about this, Jerry. Think about what's happening with our Department of Justice, right? And so Jamal Bowman pulls a fire alarm to obstruct Congress, no arrest. You've got top secret, you know, documents in Joe Biden's garage with a crackhead coming in and out. No arrests. Rashida Tlaib was outside of the Capitol today, firing up this base. Like, think of all the things they're doing to Donald Trump right now, charging him with inciting an insurrection. Nothing's going to happen to Rashida Tlaib. She was out there on the steps saying that Israel bombed the hospital, which has been completely debunked. Nothing at all is going to happen to her. And she fired up that base. But that's typical left, right? Rules for thee, but not for me. It's just a shame that that, that, that whole side talks about they want equality, but they operate in every other manner except... Joe Biden arrived in Israel in the wee hours of the morning. And again, I said this earlier. I know a lot of people don't want me to say this, but this was a good look for Joe Biden. I mean, the dude's hemorrhaging in every poll. Like, immigration, inflation, crime. I mean, the way he's handled disasters. The dude is a train wreck. So this was something he needed. The image of Air Force One going into a country during war to support an ally is a powerful image. That's good for is Joe it, Biden. Is it still powerful when the commander poops his pants, though? Well, like you make a good point, Jerry. Like, 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 the, like, like the airplane's <laughs> awesome, but he but we've never been weaker. We've never had a worse You're identity. Right. You're 100% right. And in no way am I saying, you know, this is the guy... Because you're right. There's a good chance he's going to fall and or crap himself before the sun goes down tonight. But I'm just saying, this was a rare win in terms of PR. I think he had no choice, Hammer. I think he had no choice. He didn't didn't go to Ohio. He didn't go to any of these other places when we had issues. Of course he's going to show up. I'm surprised it happened so quickly, to be honest with you. For that, yeah, congratulations. But he had no choice. He announced a $100 million donation to the Gaza Strip where Hamas rules and Hamas runs and Hamas is the elected political party of the Palestinians. 100 million bucks in American taxpayers going there for, wink, wink, humanitarian reasons. Today, I'm also announcing $100 million in new U.S. funding for humanitarian assistance in both Gaza and the West Bank. 
What's more likely to happen, Jerry? I win a BET award or that money actually goes to where it needs? You're going to win that award. (laughs) I can see it. I'm going to win best new hip-hop artist at the BET awards before that money goes to help anybody. Because, again, the people who may or may not have American hostages right now are in charge. And you think getting $100 million to those folks is going to actually get to where it needs to be. Why are we even considering giving anything before we get something? Well, that's been the entire Biden administration, right? Why is Ukraine... Why would I give you your hostages if you're paying me before I get them? (laughs) Here's a little bit more from Joe Biden. The United States unequivocally stands for the protection of civilian life during conflict. And I grieve. I truly grieve for the families who are killed or wounded by this tragedy. The people of Gaza need food, water, medicine, shelter. Today, I asked the Israeli cabinet, who I met with for some time this morning, to agree to the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza, based on the understanding that there will be inspections, and that the aid should go to civilians, not to Hamas. Israel agreed the humanitarian assistance can begin to move from Egypt to Gaza. Let me be clear, if Hamas diverts or steals the assistance, they will have demonstrated once again that they have no concern for the welfare of the Palestinian people. I've got news for you, Joe. They do not care about the Palestinian people. They're using them as human shields in a lot of these things going on. They are not going to use that money for humanitarian purposes. And asking for a receipt, asking for a paper trail, almost makes us sound like the bad guys yeah, here, right? We're culpable now. Right. Because yeah. we've said the same thing about Ukraine. Okay, I'm told that there's a humanitarian crisis, and we've got to help this country that doesn't even really like us. Fine. Where's our money going? And there's guys like Air Hammer that can't get their baby mama to show them that she spent the child support on the kids. <laughs> you think Hamas is going to show him what they're spending the money on? Right. Cut me some slack. And... When he tries to sound tough, you know, he's still reading it just word for word right right off the teleprompter. He's trying to sound tough, but he also doesn't want to get too far behind on the teleprompter. So he starts speaking really quickly, and then he tries to act like a hard ass, and nobody takes him seriously. That's what it sounds like. Uh, Multiple international partners, including the UK, kind of standing at the ready to assist the Israeli forces when they decide... The ground game is on, and it's time to rescue some hostages. I don't know if you saw the video the other day of this beautiful young lady from Israel, probably around 21, maybe 20 years old. She was at the concert. She's taken hostage. I mean, she has to read all this crap, right? The prototypical propaganda. The Palestinians are treating me well. They fixed my broken arm. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. When it's go time, it sounds like... British Special Forces and the United States Delta Force are ready to work with the Israelis on a hostage rescue plan. You talked about this. I mean, I was here last Wednesday. I'm like, every day, they've been waiting. They're waiting. Just waiting. These are the badasses. Yeah. The Delta Force guys, and hat tip where it deserves, the British Special Forces too. Yep. These are the best of the best. And I know the last couple of days we kept hearing ground attack is imminent. It's imminent. It could be any moment. Like I was surprised on Monday that it hadn't happened yet with the way that things were being reported. But when you take a step back and you realize the major 
ramifications of when Israel does start this. We need to get in there first and get some of these people out before we go in there and start wrecking shop. Right. And there's a very good chance that these folks are already there. Like, if you're finding out information on what's happening with Delta Force or the British Special Forces or the Israeli Special Forces. This guy's not sitting around right now waiting because we've just told the enemy that people are coming. They're probably already there, probably already back. Right. Like... One of the amazing stories I remember was one of the guys on SEAL Team 6 that was part of the Bin Laden raid, not the uh, trigger man, but another guy, told the story of he came home and he was in the Taco Bell drive-thru when news broke that Bin Laden had been killed. They already had the mission completed. He was already on a bird coming back home, was making a run for the border by the time the news came out that they were already finished with that mission. I mean, that's how stealth and how fast these dudes work. So I wouldn't be shocked if they're already there doing things inside of the Gaza Strip. So NBC News has announced they are the host of the third GOP presidential debate. It's going to be in Miami on November 8th, which is a Wednesday, the day after the election. Now, the Republican National Committee has selected Salem Radio Network and the Republican Jewish Coalition as their debate partners. No word yet on moderators for this, Jerry, but... Are we just done with these debates that don't feature Donald Trump? Does anybody care? No, who cares? Yeah, who cares? The the last one was horrible, right? It was. It was awful. I've watched a lot of debates in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Everything about the last one was brutal. Didn't didn't they just keep talking over each other the whole time? You couldn't hear anybody. People are whining the, the whole time. It's not even... Donald Trump is so far ahead of this, and when he first said he wasn't going to participate in the debates, I was thinking, man, that's kind of smooth. Like, you're up 40 points. The only thing you can do is make yourself look worse. He has no business being out there with those people. And that last debate, even the production quality was bad. The lighting was bad. For some reason, they made Mike Pence look even whiter, which I didn't think was possible. Like, you know, if you look at, you know, the color white and think, what's whiter than that? That was Mike Pence's face at the last debate. The the women's basketball coach's mom is very white. (laughs) She's from the Berkshires. And then you had the uh, chick from Univision that was asking things to Ron DeSantis that had already been debunked about his racist history course. In the state of Florida, I mean, it might as well have been Joy Reid up there as the moderator. So again, I don't know who MS, I'm sorry, NBC has for this debate, but I'll watch it because I'm a political nerd. But I hope the production quality is better. Leave everybody's microphones on. Don't turn anybody off because the snide remarks and the bickering is the only entertaining value we're getting from this from a bunch of people who will not be the president. At at what point do they trim down the field a little bit so we can only get, you know, three people? So I'm glad you're bringing that up. This debate, the candidates will have to show two national polls that have them at 4% or higher, or they will need to garner 4% support in one national poll and two early state polls. Mike Pence is out. Mike Pence, probably out. Doug, probably out. I mean, if we're going to do this, the real reality is you really only need about three people here. Maybe Ron D, Vivek. 
and Nikki Haley. Yep. Those are the three. Maybe Tim Scott. He hasn't really. His people just backed out. I thought he had a big sponsor that now backed out from him. Yeah, he has not shown up well at these debates. Christy, he had to go in there Christy's and spit gone. fire. Christie's gone. So yeah, too many people on the stage. Too many moderators. Get it down to three. Maybe four. Somebody might be able to make up some ground if we can actually just get to know one of these people. Well, that's what Nigel and I were talking about the other day. Like, yes, in terms of fundraising here, Joe Biden outraised Donald Trump in the third quarter, which is surprising because Joe Biden sucks. But when you think about it, look at how many Republican candidates are pulling away donor yeah. money. Yeah. Now, if you're somebody that's not donating to Donald Trump right now. I don't know if you will be in the future, but if you're somebody that just hates Joe Biden and you want to chip in a little something to make sure he never sees the White House again, I think that shapes and shifts the fundraising money and the polling numbers as well. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish, in for Big Nige. Jerry, when it's time for you to grab a beverage, a nice stiff beverage, what do you go with? Go with nice whiskey on the rocks. There you go, a little risk whiskey on the rocks. Yep. If you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, happy 84th birthday to the coach, Mike Ditka, former Chicago Bears coach, NFL Hall of Famer. Great moments in Mike Ditka history. Here he is talking about players that kneel for the national anthem. If you can't respect our national anthem, get the hell out of the country. Then that's the way I feel. Of course, I'm old-fashioned. I think there's a way that you, you protest and there's a way you don't protest. You don't protest against the flag. You don't protest against this country who's given you the opportunity to make a living playing a sport that uh, you never thought would, would happen. So I, I don't want to hear all the crap. <laughs> Anytime you end a statement with, I don't want to hear all the crap, it's good stuff. All right, we got time for one more here. So I'm going to do some choose your own adventure. Jerry, do you want to hear Mike Ditka singing the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field, which was god awful? Or do you want to hear him taking on a heckler at a press conference? I definitely want to hear him versus the heckler. Okay, this is Mike Ditka back in the 80s. For whatever reason, the press conference they were having had fans around. Take a listen. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut, you jerk. <laughs> Dick you. <laughs> See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. <laughs> Hold up. Turn over, son. I'd rather talk to him. <laughs> I know, I know I'm smarter than that son. Great moments in Mike Ditka history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.